0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game.
1: 1037
0: Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Crunch Time with Migaz and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station at your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez here on this Tuesday afternoon. Got a lot to get into today. Hope everybody had a great 4th of July weekend. The producer extraordinaire, co-host with the most, James Mesh, sitting in the control booth, pushing all the buttons, making sure I look good. And James thinks that that's a hard task, but it's really not. James Mesh, what's going on, buddy? How are you? What's up? How was your uh, 4th of July, Matt? It was good, man. Got to spend it with some family. Got to, you know, lay low, hang out. It was uh, it was relaxing for sure. It was, uh, it was good. How was yours?
2: It was pretty good. Took a couple naps throughout the day. Couple,
1: yeah, I, everybody needs naps. Um, <laughs> and, you know, a long weekend is, is the time to do it, right?
2: No doubt. Because, funny enough, on Friday I actually went to bed at early point. I had told you about that. Because you remember that, huh? I had yeah, texted you at about 5 in the morning.
1: You texted me at 5, and I said, what is this guy doing up?
2: Yeah, it's because I went to bed at 10. So my my internal clock thought I was just taking a regular nap. Right. So it woke me up a little little earlier than I wanted to.
1: That's funny. Anyways, we got a lot to get into today from national headlines all the way down to the McNeese Cowboys with their football team, football getting ready to start here in about a month and a half or so. We're going to look at McNeese. We're going to look at LSU. We're going to look at the Cajuns. We're going to talk NBA, Summer League starting this week. Games today, actually, in California. We're going to talk PGA Tour, the Astros riding high on a seven-game win streak. Speaking of the Houston Astros, let's go ahead and bring up our poll question of the day. All-Star voting do will end this Friday. How many All-Stars will the Astros have? One, two, three or more? Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve solely in the mix, along with Jeremy Pena you know, trailing around, not quite getting the respect that he should be, which I find to be interesting because, James, you, you watched him yesterday, and, and you watched him throughout the weekend. Jeremy Pena
2: has just been
1: lighting up the scoreboard for the Astros.
2: He's definitely been a really good replacement for Carlos Correa, no doubt. Getting his second walk-off home run already in his rookie season.
1: Currently, as of June 27th, that's the latest all-star numbers I could find. Jeremy Pena not even in the top 10 in the entire major league in shortstop voting, which is uh, which is impressive. Actually, never mind. I was looking at the National League. American League, Jeremy Pena is fourth in top two get-in. Maybe could come in as an alternate if he could pass Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox. But again, I still think Pena is not quite getting the respect that that he's owed. Another interesting thing that happened over the weekend, and James, I really want to get your take on this. Lakers owner... Jeannie Buss posted a tweet yesterday. And a lot of people, it's a tweet about Kobe Bryant, but a lot of people are saying that Jeannie had an underlying message into this tweet. Here it is, I miss KB. He would understand and explain everything that I'm not allowed to. Honestly, he was the greatest Laker ever. He understood team over self meaning your rewards would come if you value team goals over your own. Then everything would fall into place. All who
2: are interested can reply. Is that a shot at LeBron? It's definitely an interesting tweet to make, kind of, I guess, almost out of the blue. Yeah. It, it definitely, because that... I, could, I could definitely see how you would think, oh, is this, like, an underlying shot under the table at LeBron?
1: I think it is maybe i'm looking into it a little too much but i definitely think i mean she went on to talk about you know valuing team over self and you know looking at team goals rather than your own i don't know i i think that is uh that is very interesting to uh to say you know, is like
2: like you said, out of the blue like that is very is very strange. And I don't know if I would necessarily call LeBron a selfish player because if LeBron was selfish, I mean, he he always gets his teammates better. He he finds them open shots because he commands so much attention, and that's why you see such the high assist totals because he's able to get his other teammates involved. Does the team? heavily revolve around him, yes, but at the same time, he's able to draw a lot of attention on him and help his teammates get open shots and get good looks to where they can score as well, not just him.
1: Right. Staying in the NBA, Zion Williamson signed his max contract over the weekend. It is a five-year, $193 million designated maximum rookie extension However, it could be worth up to $231 million. This is where this gets interesting. The Pelicans have an injury protection in the deal to where if Zion doesn't play a certain number of games, a percentage of his salary gets cut out. He has to play a certain number of games to reach his full yearly salary, which I find very interesting. But we'll get back to that conversation. Let's head to the hotline. Jay joins the show here on a Tuesday. Jay, what's going on, man? How are you?
3: The same Kobe Bryant who wanted Shaq traded or said me or him, the same Kobe Bryant who after Shaq was gone, he still wanted to get traded. Uh, I think it was around 05. Do you remember that?
1: Absolutely. In 07 he requested a trade.
3: Yeah, so so my thing is, you know, I like I said, man, my heart goes out to him. But hey, we we I, I like I like talking about the game. Like, oh, that's that, that's all just giving praises to him. Uh we don't know what's that about um like I said, man, LeBron, I think with Clutch Sports, they letting it be known. Look, you're not going to just use us up. You got to make some moves. Let's put this team into a championship a contender. You know, that's we you know, we're just trying to compete for titles and She's just getting caught up in her feelings, I guess. Um, I don't know what it's about, but we can't sit up here and put Kobe on a pedestal when some of the moves that he made over the years. Yes, he's a great player. Uh, they won five titles with him, but um, it's, it's deeper than that. I don't. I don't know who knows. It's about maybe it's talking about Kyrie Irving. Who knows? Um, uh, but I, I, it'll come out. We'll see when LeBron doesn't sign his extension, then we'll know. <laughs> and that's, right. that's what that's might. That's what this might be about. And. Uh, That's all I have to add, man. You know, I know the history of Kobe, so you know it's not to me. It's not as much to do about anything or nothing. All right,
1: thank you. Appreciate it, Jack. Yeah, I mean he's right. You know that this is the same Kobe that went to the went to Genie Bus's dad, the owner of the Lakers at the time, and said, "It's me or Shaq," and that's how Shaq ended up in Phoenix, and then in Cleveland, and then in Boston, and so that's that's an interesting way to look at it, and then you know not just that again like i like I said, in 2007, he requested another trade that the Lakers refused to grant, and it worked out for him because they ended up winning two more titles so maybe there isn't an underlying message I don't know maybe maybe Jeannie Bus was just giving praise to Kobe Bryant. However, the way I take it is she might be poking a little jab at LeBron or maybe telling him, "Hey, you know, you need to wake up here and figure out what you want." I don't know. We'll see. But anyways, back to the Zion Williamson news, James, what do you think about the contract and how smart do you think it was for the Pelicans to put those injury protections in place?
2: Oh, it was a great move. I'm I'm glad the Pelicans were able to do that because There's no guarantee, and we've only seen Zion a third of the time. So you have to keep that protection on you to be like, hey, look, if you're only going to play 35, 40 games, not even a full 50%, we can't give you all this money. We need you to be healthy for us to be successful. And if if we're going to be successful, we need you on the court. And when you're on the court, that's when we can pay you. We're not going to fully guarantee something like how – they do with Deshaun Watson and other sports.
1: Now, also you look at his contract; it's five years, 193 million, could be worth up to 231. All he has to do to get that extra 38 million is make an All
2: NBA team. Which, if he's healthy, that's it's a no-brainer. <laughs> it's, I mean, he deserves it. Shams, the worst Shams, he would be was a, is an All NBA third team,
1: right? Shams called it a formality if he's able to stay healthy. Him making an all NBA team would be a formality. Which, if that's all it's going to take for him to get that extra forty million dollars, uh, if he can
2: like, again, if he can stay healthy, that seems like it's like it's pretty easy. And if he's uh, and if he's going to be healthy, and the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs and make some noise, that's going to draw in his endorsements again because we yeah. haven't seen him on TV for a while. So sure. it'll it'll draw him back. He'll renew it with people like Ruffles. I think he was with or I think it was Mountain Dew, but he'll be with plenty of companies there. They'll be knocking on the door. No, for sure. Demarius Thomas, according to researchers, had a stage
1: 2 CTE that was discovered in his brain uh, following his passing in December. CTE coming from multiple hits to the head, and he, he dealt with seizures in the last couple years of his life. Due to a car accident that he suffered in 2019. Doctors are are a little intrigued because. Stage two comes with. Progressive behavior and cognitive and mood abnormalities. They said that family said that he even became depressed and had panic attacks. In the last couple years before his death. So very tragic news CTE's become a, a big thing in the world of the NFL. The problem that people are running into though is that CTE can't be discovered, as of now at least, it can't be discovered in, until you've already passed away. James, you think doctors will ever get to the point where they can catch CTE maybe while somebody's still living?
2: I think with enough medical advancements they'll be able to at some point. But something that does worry me is looking at other players that have had a lot of concussions and injuries in the in the head or neck area. Someone like Luke Keekly who had to retire early. Or someone like a Danny Woodhead. Right. Or oh, there was somebody else that I know AJ Klein had quite a few as well. He dealt with a lot, yeah. There there are a lot of players. And then
1: and then, you know, I, I bring up NASCAR a lot, but look at NASCAR. My favorite driver as a kid was Dale Earnhardt Jr. Ever since he's retired in 2016, he has said in numerous interviews that he probably suffered 15 to 20 concussions through his NASCAR career.
2: Which is definitely
1: worrisome. Like, that's scary. And so, guys like that, I mean, CTE is prevalent. And like you said, with medical advancements, hopefully they'll be able to catch it and maybe even treat it while... Somebody is still living. Let's take a look at the MLB scoreboard. One game currently going on top of the fourth. The Mariners and the Padres tied at one with one out. Astros play the Royals tonight. 7-10 first pitch from Minute Maid Park. Astros riding a seven-game win streak, setting at 52-27. and We'll talk with Brian LaLima of Apollo HOU and Sports Talk 790 in Houston to get his insights on the past week of the Astros and what they're looking at over the next couple of days. NBA Summer League as well. Four games on the schedule for today. Miami taking down Golden State 94-70. to 70. And then tonight's games, you have the Kings and Lakers, the Grizzlies and 76ers, and the Thunder and Jazz. California Summer League wrapping up today. Utah will start today as well. And then they start in Las Vegas on Thursday. Pelicans first game coming Saturday night at nine o'clock against the Portland Trailblazers. James, looking at the summer league, what are you what are you most excited to see? I mean obviously Dyson Daniels is a is a big answer, but like team as a whole, what are you looking forward to?
2: Pelicans-wise, you, you definitely are looking at Dyson. But another player, I don't know who – I haven't seen the full roster. Do you do you know who it is? I, I, don't, I, would I assume don't have it in front of me, no. You would also see EJ Liddell, no doubt. Yeah. That one's also and an ex- intriguing piece. But Najee
1: well, Marshall, Trey Murphy.
2: Yeah, Najee, that's good because, I mean, we only saw him in limited action. And for most of the season – Coach Green didn't put him in. So, seeing him again, that's always good. I'm wondering, what about Jackson Hayes? Is he is he going to be Jackson on the roster? Jackson Hayes is not on the roster. Okay. Mm, that's interesting.
1: You got Darian Seaburn, Jared Harper, Najee Marshall, Dyson Daniels, John Butler, Matt Jose Kevich. Alvarado, Matkovich, EJ Liddell, Trey Murphy, Elijah Stewart, Tyreek Jones, Zach Hankins, John Petty Jr., Got a lot of guards. More guards than, than forwards and centers.
2: So maybe the Pelicans are looking small ball for Summer League. I think you want to establish the, the backcourt a little more because you already know what you got with Jonas and Jackson if you do play him at the five, and then also you got your forwards and wings. But trying to figure out your guards, yeah, you you want to see what they can do and who stands out because other than CJ McCollum... And Jose Alvarado, I mean, those are your only standouts. You don't know exactly what you're going to get out of Devontae Graham either. No, you don't know true. if he's going to stay on the roster if you deal him. Same thing with Jackson Hayes. But getting a lot of guards in there, that, that'll that help see who really stands out and who can make this roster and have an impact. Yeah,
1: No, no question. Again, Pelicans open up their summer league from the Thomas and Mack Center in Vegas Saturday night at 9 o'clock against Portland. Meanwhile, the Game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a brand-new Apple Watch. All you have to do is join our brand-new text club. Text GAME to 337-288-8100. That's GAME to 337-288-8100. Once you join, you will be eligible to win that brand-new Apple Watch and have a ton of chances to score some other great prizes like Astros tickets and much more. It's the Game's text club. You got to do is find out more 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. We'll take a timeout right here. When we return, James and I will dive into college football. We'll preview the O-lines for both Louisiana and LSU, and we'll talk McNeese a little later in the show. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station at your home Stretch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 103-7 Lafayette, 104-1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here four twenty three on your Tuesday afternoon. Let's go to the hotline. James has been waiting since the commercial break. James, what's going on?
4: Hey, man, I want to talk basketball if you guys don't mind for a second.
1: Absolutely. What you got?
4: I'm not a, I'm not a Lakers fan, but I'm very interested and been following this like it's a soap opera because they're just a, a slot machine, you know, in It's kind of a dumpster fire. That
1: it's kind of become one, right?
4: Well, yeah, because next year we get to swap ones. So I think this whole thing's just going to implode. We're going to get the, a payout there. Then we get either their 24 or 25 first-round pick. So the Pelicans are kind of linked to them, and you got to kind of, you got to kind of kind of stay involved in it, but but with the Pelicans, I think I think Jackson Hayes is going to be odd man out. I fully expect once uh, free agency kind of shakes out and everybody sees who's left, you know, last man standing, musical chairs, and what team doesn't get a guy there, he's going to have some trade value. You know that four five slot he plays, but he's not going to get enough playing time the way this lineup's shaking out. Because if he sticks around, we're going to have to pay him. He's in a contract year, and I just think we're going to move him. I hate seeing it, but that means that's how good the rest of the roster shaping up to be. I don't yeah. know how you guys feel about that or not.
1: No, I, I absolutely agree. Jackson's going to be the odd man out. I think the Pelicans do try to move him this year. I mean, you owe him $6.8 million this year. He's a, res- he's a restricted free agent, so you would have the first right of refusal on him. However, if he plays the level that he's been playing at, that six million is going to turn into twelve.
4: Right, and do, I, I, think I think he's a perfect sign and trade candidate. I think it's going to happen. And, and like I said, that's good news for the Pelicans because if somebody like him's getting squeezed out, we got a pretty darn good roster, and we don't need to go anywhere around sniffing around Kevin Durant and no. blow up this chemistry. I know a lot of people are hollering for that, but they're crazy.
1: I'm not. I'm not doing a Kevin Durant trade if it involves Zion or, BJ or Bi. Right. If they want to, if they want to center that trade around CJ McCollum, I'd listen. If Zion or Bi are involved, no shot.
4: Yeah, I agree. All right, thanks for taking my call, guys.
1: Absolutely, man. Thank you. So yeah, again, you know, looking at looking at Jackson Hayes, James, I'll bring you in here, six point eight million this year. But again, if he produces. He's going to be asking for the money. Are the Pelicans willing to pay that?
2: I don't think so. I, th- I think you go look and get somebody younger or someone maybe that's established that's willing to do a bargain price because last time I checked, the Pelicans don't have that much cap space to work with. They don't. So if you've already got all this star talent and now you want to also pay somebody that has had immature problems – and had stuff off the court, and at times has proven... He, he, he showed a little bit after going to the G League, but for the most part, you did not see a lot of maturity, and you didn't see a lot of worth at work ethic out of him. He, he yep. proved it being at the four, and you saw like he, he had some bright spots, but I, I he's got to be the odd man out if, if he's going to ask for a payday.
1: I mean, he's eligible for a five-year, $188 million rookie extension
2: and I don't think you can do that unless you're willing to make him your five and move on from Jonas Valanciunas
1: which I don't know and which do I don't that. know if you
2: want I don't know if you want to do that I think you'd rather just go get another young center in the draft or go trade for someone that's feasible and that can just get you boards that way you're not having to sh- focus that much money on him
1: yeah Valanciunas still has so much basketball left to play I don't know if if moving on from him right now would be the, the correct move for the Pelicans to make. Especially right,
2: for but, a majority of the season where you would say he was the team MVP. Until B.I. finally figured it out, yep. it was Jonas who was getting double-double every night. It's true. You can't it's move true. on from that.
1: It's 100% true. All right, let's look at the offensive lines quickly for both UL and LSU, will start with the Cajuns. And, you know, this is a group that has been very good for the Cajuns. I mean, you've put three prospects into the NFL in the last three years. You know, you had Kevin Dotson and Robert Hunt go in 2020, and you had Max Mitchell go this past year. So in in a three-year time frame, again, you know, you've put – you put three guys in the league on your on your offensive line. And you lost a lot. Again, Max Mitchell was the anchor of that line last year. But you're bringing in a lot of guys that have had experience on this roster. See, that's the thing I loved about Billy Napier in his time here. He moved guys around constantly. Constantly was moving guys in and off the field so that everybody was getting Playing time, everybody was getting touches. I mean, a kid like Mackie Mahalo is a guy I really look at to step up. A redshirt freshman from Mandeville, six foot eight, three 364 pounds, got some playing time last year, was impressive, but was just a freshman. So, you know, he took what he learned as a freshman, took the in-game experience that he was able to get, took his redshirt, and now comes back again as a freshman, ready to prove his worth. Quentin Williams is another guy I'm looking at, a transfer from Trinity Valley Community College. King McGowan is a guy that has been around, 6'5", 3'11". Cam Jackson is a freshman we've heard a lot about, 6'6", 303, out of Baton Rouge. David Hudson, he's been with the team for a while, redshirt senior from right here in Lafayette. His dad was the offensive line coach at Georgia Southern, so he, he plays the offensive line position very well. George Jackson was a highly-touted recruit last year. He's a redshirt freshman, 6'4", 3'15". Jax Harrington has played a lot on the offensive line as a redshirt sophomore. Carlos Rubio, the redshirt senior, 6'4", 289. He'll look to be a big piece. Landon Burton as well from St. Thomas More. A.J. Gilley, Nathan Thomas. And then one guy that people aren't really talking about, James O'Hanbuck. He's a redshirt junior transfer from Michigan State, 6'3", 318, didn't really play a lot at Michigan State, never really quite fit in, uh, reminds me a lot of Zach Bond, a guy with a lot of talent, a lot of upside, just didn't quite fit in with the team that he's at, and so he realized that after a couple of years and is now looking to now look to transfer out. And so he found a home here in Lafayette. I think that's going to be a, a big group to keep an eye on for the Cajuns because they're such a run-heavy team. Your offensive line really has to be shored up and and, and ready to work. Because again, if you're going to run the ball as much as the Cajuns are going to, you gotta be ready to hold your blocks and protect that off and protect those gaps protect that gapping assignment looking at LSU big question mark for the Tigers they've lost a lot bring in a new coaching staff you know where are they gonna land on the offensive line two guys that I'm really looking out for one's a freshman one's a grad transfer I'll start with the freshman Will Campbell 6'6 286 out of Neville he is a offensive lineman again 6'6 they have him listed as 310 from Neville High School. Early enrolled with the K- with the Tigers, made an impact during the spring. He's listed as a starter in most, you know, most depth charts. He's he's a name that I'm really looking for to to make a big move. Tremont Shorts as well. He's the grad transfer that I wanted to touch on from East Tennessee State. You've got Miles Frazier, who is a transfer that's looking to make an impact. Cameron Wire and Charles Turner, as well the veterans, Redshirt Junior, Redshirt Senior. And then you look in the second depth: your Garrett, Dan, your Del, your Garrett Dellinger's, your Marcus Dumanville's, your Emory Jones, Fitzgerald West Jr. You know how do those guys fit in? There's a lot of youth, a lot of inexperience on this offensive line, so it's going to remain a question mark for the Tigers. But if anybody is going to shore it up quickly and make sure that this group is ready to work, it's going to be Brian Kelly. So although it's a question mark, they might have some issues here in year one, but year two, look for LSU up front to be full of talent, full of experience, and be ready to make... A humongous impact for the Tigers. The Houston Astros, one of the hottest teams in baseball, and we want to help you see them live in person. The Game 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com, 1041 thegamecom to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways always powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, in Houston Downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout right here, and our guy Ross Jackson joins us on the other side. We're about two weeks away from training camp. What's the word in New Orleans? Who are we looking out for? Who's ready to step up and make an impact? You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station at your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Far side!
0: You're listening to The Game,
1: 1037
0: Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side, he's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. A shot to left field, going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up, at a goner! for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 39 minutes after 4 o'clock here on your Tuesday. Let's take a look at the poll question of the day. How many All-Stars? Well, the Astros have so far 55.6% say three or more, 44.4% say two. And two comments. Tan says, if Pena isn't selected as at least an alternate, we riot. I agree. 100%. And then Caleb Broussard, Alvarez, Altuve, Verlander, or shoe-ins, Tucker, Pena, Valdez, and Stanek might be in as well. So Alvarez and Altuve, yeah, they're more than likely going to get in. Verlander as well, I'll agree with you there. Tucker, unfortunately, is probably going to be on the outside looking in. His home run numbers aren't up to par with the rest of the outfielders in the race. Uh, that might be the one thing that, that really you know keeps him out of, of that conversation. Pena, again... Maybe, like I talked about it off the top of the show, he's not getting the respect that he deserves. He's fourth in the American League in All-Star in, in the voting. Top two gets in. You know, that that's going to be tricky. That's going to be... You have some great shortstops in the American League. Xander Bogarts, Tim Anderson, your um Jeremy Pena. You know, those are guys that really deserve to get in. Bogart's Anderson probably going to get in, along with a couple more. So you know, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that. Voting is available until Friday. So if you feel inclined to vote your Astros into the MLB All Star game, you can do that on MLB's website. Alright, James, let's let's do this. Training camp is coming up very soon for the Saints' rookies' report on July 19th with the Vets coming a week later. A couple of headlines that I found people talking about, and I'll get your opinion on it, and you and I can kind of go back and forth. The first one, and this is the biggest one, the Saints have shown intentions of not only wanting to compete in 2022, but they're ready to win. In, in 2022, do you think this team is capable and ready
2: to win in this league? I think they are. I th- I think if Jameis is able to take the next step forward as I expect him to, the defense should be about the same, should be still a top five defense. The offense, the fact that you've got significant improvement on the outside and you still have Alvin Kamara, we don't know how long he'll be suspended. But... We've seen them still win nine games and still have the most injuries and start the most people in a in a season ever. So if you're stable to have a winning record after that and you've made significant improvements, the only thing I would worry about is the chemistry, but that's early on in the season. I still see this team at worst being ten and seven and more expectedly going twelve and five.
1: See the chemistry thing was going to be my next question. Do what? How do you see the chemistry issues playing a factor with how many new guys are on this roster?
2: Well, it especially matters since it's in the safeties. It's Tyron yeah. Matthew, and it's Marcus Mayntly comes back in until he comes back from his potential suspension as well. the The safeties are your last line of defense, and we've seen what happens when the corners and the safeties don't have the communication down you give up 70 yard touchdowns. We've yeah. seen that plenty of times we've seen it in years past. We don't see it as often now, but the fact that you've got two new safeties starting and you only got so many coming back with PJ Williams, you got plenty trying to make the roster. I do worry early on you may see a couple a couple of deep touchdowns within the first couple of weeks of the season where you're like, "Whoa, what's going on? Why why is Tyron Matthew and the defense giving up Deep shots well it's because they still haven't fully gotten used to each other yet they're getting a regular offseason they're finally getting a normal training camp but still you can't expect a whole bunch of chemistry and them to just be there like that only in a couple months it's it takes a lot to develop same thing with wide receivers and quarterbacks like sometimes they'll get it right away but even then it it's not as good as it will be down the line because the more you play with them, the more you get used to them.
1: Yeah, you know, and then a, a couple other things that you're keeping an eye on. You know, the Dallas Cowboys are called America's team, right? Well, <laughs> of I have course. seen I have seen people refer to the Saints as the People's Team.
2: It's interesting because I know a lot of people on Twitter and Instagram either love the Saints or you oh. absolutely despise them. Right.
1: And so that's interesting. I, I would have never thought that uh, you know, you would refer to the Saints as the people's team. And then, you know, obviously the Alvin Kamara story is huge, right? Because you're waiting for his legal process to to wrap up before you hear word of a suspension. As of right now, his hearing is scheduled in August, but as we've seen two times already, it's getting pushed along so you know the the wide expectation is a 6 game suspension but if the legal process doesn't wrap up you know you might not see a suspension this year it might not be till next year because the you could i could see the well, the hearing getting postponed to december
2: that that could happen i also one thing i do look at is from week 6 to week 13. That's your toughest part of the schedule. You got it Bengals, is. Cardinals, Raiders, Ravens, Steelers, Rams, 49ers, Bucks. Yep. Yeah. I could see after maybe the Cardinals game you lose them. Or even you may even lose them Baltimore like right before the Baltimore game so then you'd have 5 You'd have the bye week, and then you'd lose them for the Falcons game in week 15, so then it would finally be the sixth game. And then you would get them for the last three, but still. That does worry me that they won't do it until maybe September, October. Right. And then that's when they do it. But you see, here, here's where it's going to get
1: interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if Kamara you know, works out a thing. Here's the thing. Camara's not going to have the time to deal with the hearing during the season. If it gets pushed further than August, mm-hmm. you might not see it pick back up until the season ends in February.
2: You may not see it till yeah, February or March.
1: Because, I mean, if, if he's got to travel, the only time he'd be able to do it is on a bye week.
2: And I feel like it would take more than just that one week to do the right. hearing. Right. And then by that point, you're it's week 14. You're gearing up for the playoffs.
1: So I'd, I'd, I could very well see this getting pushed into the next offseason and Kamara doesn't get suspended until the 2023
2: season. It's interesting.
1: So we'll have to take a look at that as well. A couple other headlines that I find entertaining. The Saints organization will do anything to win, sometimes almost to a fault.
2: Talking about the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. That's why you see them swing for the fences like that is it a a risk? no doubt but if it's able to work out and you have a top 5 QB talent in the league as your QB that's significantly going to help your odds of making a deep run and potentially a Super Bowl that's true That's true. And then the last headline
1: is injuries. The Saints started an NFL record 58 different players in 2021, including four different quarterbacks and four different kickers. So obviously the Saints have made a lot of moves in the offseason to kind of shore that up. But according to this, the most important move might have come from the coaching staff. You hired Matt Rea, the strength and conditioning coach, formerly at Alabama. When he was brought into the University of Alabama in that first year, he and his staff reduced soft tissue injuries by 50%. So people are saying that the hiring of Matt Rea could potentially be the biggest move the Saints made this offseason. Do you agree?
2: I think it's definitely something that will go under the radar. Because if you're able to do all that and limit the types of injuries... That, that could be a huge difference maker because if you're going against a team that has a lot of injuries and they're beat up and they're not there emotionally or mentally, it's an easier way to get a win.
1: For sure. For sure. So those are some headlines to look out for courtesy of our guy, Ross Jackson, and uh, we will look ahead to minicamp again. Rookies report July 19th and vets report a week after on July 26th, first preseason game is I believe August 9th. if I have that correct. Uh, Saints will play three preseason games before starting their 17 game regular season. First preseason game is on August 13th against the Texans. So we'll keep an eye on the Saints as they head closer and closer to training camp as well as the NFL preseason. But for now, we'll take a timeout. When we return, we will wrap up hour number one, get you set for hour number two. You're listening to Crunch Time with Me, Guys, and Mesh on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station at your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back. Crunch Time with Me, Guys, and Mesh right here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station at your home for the LSU Tigers. And Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, James. I, I gotta ask you. You're a basketball guy. You're a Pelicans guy as well as a Celtics fan. Kendrick Perkins apologizing to Pelicans fans. Give me your thoughts on that.
2: Uh, what did What did he say? Because I, I don't re- I don't recall him slandering the Pel's. Oh man,
1: he is—he has been trashing Zion on on ESPN for weeks now.
2: Oh, so he's one of them. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. He. Because I, I I didn't I didn't recall him doing anything.
1: Okay, well, what uh, what I'll do is, when we come back at five o'clock, I will pull up some quotes of what he had said in the past about the Pelicans. And uh, no, he issued a public apology on ESPN this morning uh so we'll uh, we'll talk about that we'll also touch in the second hour on the PGA tour we will take a look at the John Deere Classic that just wrapped up this past weekend and we'll get you set for the Genesis Scottish Open this weekend in Scotland obviously before they stay across the pond for the Open Championship next week tiger woods returning for that event he did play to this weekend In the J.P. McManus Pro-Am, Tiger finished tied for 39th with a two-over performance for the final day. Today, it was in Ireland. It was a tune-up for next week's Open. Xander Shoffley winning that Pro-Am. Tiger will once again compete in the 150th playing of the Open Championship at St. Andrews starting on July 14th. It'll be his third official event since his car wreck in L.A. Finished 47th at the Masters and then withdrew from the PGA Championship. So, Tiger's maybe we see Tiger come back to a normal schedule, but right now you're seeing Tiger play really majors only in in his in his attempt to to come back to the game of golf I mean since his car accident he's only played three tournaments, not counting three official tournaments and all three of them have been majors so maybe you only see Tiger play four times a year and then a couple pro-ams here and there I don't know that's gonna be interesting again Xander Shoffley winning with a 10 under total on the tournament Beating out Sam Burns at the J.P. McManus. Shoffley being a player to watch. Looking other notable finishes in this Pro-Am. Jordan Spieth disqualified. Jordan Spieth never gets disqualified. Interesting to see why that happened. Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, and Scotty Scheffler all participating in the Pro-Am in Ireland over the weekend. Again, Scottish Open this weekend before the Open Championship. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we'll talk some more PGA Tour. We will talk some NASCAR and the red-hot Houston Astros. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the Houston Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. We'll be back after this top-of-the-hour sports update. You're clocked
0: out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game.
1: 1037
0: Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Our number two of two... It's crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station at your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Again, one hour down, one hour to go. Keep voting on our poll question of the day. How many Astros will be All-Stars? One, two, or three or more. We'll keep updating the results live here on the air. But before we do that, let's recap some of the top stories in the world of sports. Demarius Thomas, according to researchers stage two CTE, when he passed away, not saying that that's what led to his passing, but could be a contributing factor and something that they're going to look out for, you know, as they do further evaluations and further testing. Bryce Harper who broke his thumb last week on the fastball and says he will be back at some point the season. He had surgery on that finger to repair it, says he will be back before the season ends. Novak Djokovic into the semifinals of Wimbledon. Great weekend of tennis for Novak. Again, he heads to the semifinals for... Wimbledon you had a couple Americans compete over the weekend Nick Kregos one of the top players in tennis right now an Australian talent he has had a great weekend as well in London so we will see what happens in Wimbledon we'll keep you updated with that throughout the week as well before the finals this weekend MLB scoreboard bottom of the fifth four to one Mariners runner on second for the Mariners. Again, leading 4-1 to one in the top of the sixth. Had a couple of big plays in this game with a guy by the name of trying to pull it up real quick. Sam Haggerty, a 5'11 player out of Phoenix, Arizona. He had a homer in the third, RBI single in the fourth. So he's really contributed to this game for the Mariners. Again, four to one. Top of the sixth inning. We'll keep you updated. All of that as it happens. Now, something I need to I need to get into. James, I, I gotta ask you something, and and it's not sports related, but I'm gonna go ahead and ask you real quick. Thursday and Friday, you are going to be out. For your, for your sister's wedding. Yes. Now
2: here's my question.
1: Okay. Why does your sister got to get married?
2: Why do you have to get married? That's a, that's a fair question. <laughs> Why do you have to get married at the beginning hey. of football season hey, on a hey. Friday night?
1: Hey, hey, hey. Hey. That is that is a fair question. It is. Uh, hey, it's it is what it is, man. So
2: I don't get to make the rules. No, I, I, I don't.
1: I really don't. So, again, Matt riding solo on Thursday and Friday. But, hey, have no fear. Two hours, great content, great guest. It's still going to be crunch time with Miguez and Mesh, just temporarily minus the Mesh. According to Jody Allen, who is the late wife of Paul Allen, the owner of both the Seattle Seahawks and the Portland Trailblazers, So a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, you had a story about the Blazers and Seahawks being for sale. Phil Knight even made an offer to buy the Blazers for more than $2 million. But according to Jody Allen, neither team is for sale. Eventually they will be, but not currently. Currently. As chair of both the Trailblazers and Seahawks, my long-term focus is building championship teams that our communities are proud of. Like my brother Paul, so it's his sister, not his wife. Like my brother Paul, I trust and expect our leaders and coaches to build winning teams that deliver results on and off the court and field. James, Seattle's had success. Portland has had success. However, neither team is looking close to being championship quality, as it stands.
2: Blazers barely look playing tournament ready, mm-hmm. and, sure. and this and Seattle is arguably the worst team in football. So up I don't, there for sure. I don't know, unless they have a nice reset that they're playing that we just don't know about, and they're using Drew Locke, because I got a report saying Seattle is not interested in Baker, according to Ian Rappaport. They're not. So, if you're not interested in him, you're going all in on Drew Locke and or Geno Smith for this season. So you're planning on getting one of the top QBs next season, and that's how you'll start your rebuild because you moved on from Russell Wilson. Yep. You've moved on from Bobby Wagner. The Le- the Legion of Boom has been gone. Been gone. Been gone. One of your one of your few highlights on the team is DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And if you don't shore things up, DK might not stay there. Yeah. That too, not to mention Noah Fant's good. No Noah Fant's a alright tight end target. He's very athletic, he's very fast. He just he hasn't quite gotten it yet. It's it's a lot like Adam Trotman where you expect him to make a jump, but he hasn't done it yet.
1: Right. Looking at a couple other headlines, the Nets are
2: willing to wait for the quote perfect Durant trade. It makes sense. I mean, you still got four years on Durant's contract. He's no. not. He's not going to be a free agent until 2026. He didn't. He only requested. He didn't demand. That's the thing. So I wouldn't expect a Durant deal to be done anytime soon. We can speculate all we want, but I expect it to be a while before anything, if anything, gets done.
1: From Shams, Sarania, the Nets are making moves and doing things this offseason with the preparation and operation as if they're bringing these two guys back and playing with both Kyrie and KD. They're open in dialogue and open to teams like Toronto, Phoenix, Miami making offers, but until they get the price threshold met, which I'm told is all-star type players, a boatload of draft picks, they're not moving. This is what they're telling teams. We're not going to move Kevin Durant until the price is met. We'll see how this summer goes, but it's looking like the process with Kevin Durant could take a while. Which which is fair, right? You have an all-star caliber player. You have one of the, who some people say is one of the elite scorers in NBA history. You're not going to move him for, you know, two first and a backup. Like, you want to move this guy for a player very close to his quality. Right? So I which I mean, Which
2: you really can't replicate. You can only try and add the total value together and potential. Right. And players that are at least somewhat established. But you can't replicate a top ten borderline top five talent. No. In, no for in the sure. league thus far. That that's still even at thirty four. So interesting
1: developments in the sports video game world 2k23 announced their cover athlete today and it is michael jordan michael jordan will grace both covers of nba 2k23 the michael jordan edition as well as the championship edition and then they've been talking about player ratings right that's what everybody talks about with new sports video games what's gonna be you know this player's rating and that player's rating and all that Michael Jordan is the first player to ever receive a rating of 100 in a 2K video game. He's rated as a 100 in 2K23. LeBron, Ja Morant are two of three players, a rating of 98 or higher. Ja's a 98?
2: Yeah. Holy cow.
1: Yeah. I, I don't remember who the third player was, but there was three players that were a ninety eight or higher, and it was LeBron against Ja, and there was there was a third. but what I find interesting is Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook has a rating of seventy two that is quite the fall from grace from where he. Was at, you know, a couple of years ago when he was ranked in the 90s, in, in 2K games. So that is uh it's an interesting thing to, to think about. Jo- Nikola Jokic a 95. Interested to see what the rookies will be. You know, guys like Paolo Banchero, Dyson Daniels, uh, Jaden Ivey, Shaden Sharp. You know, what kind of what kind of rankings will those guys have? Interested to see how that's going to happen the nba games are always you know well put together they don't update very often because you know that that's the thing you always hear with sports games it's hard to to update them you know every year because you're going to get to a point where what are you going to update other than other than the rosters i mean the graphics aren't really going to change you know you you can change little things about the game modes but the game itself, I don't know that you can really change it too much. So it's, it's interesting to, to hear people have those conversations. But anyways, update the poll question very quickly here. How many All-Stars will the Houston Astros have in 2022? So far, 52.6%, say three or more, 47.4%, saying two. I'm going to go with three. You're going to have Alvarez, Altuve, Verlander. You may even have Pena as an alternate, which would count, so that would be four. I could see that maybe another pitcher like a Fran does sneaks in as an alternate. So you're looking at four to maybe even five all-stars for the Astros this season. James, one more storyline that I want to get to before we take a timeout. Robert Griffin III, third making a comeback to the NFL.
2: I thought you... he I thought he would have been done. Of course he's and it's interesting because he hasn't played since I think it was twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen with the Ravens. But for the last quite a few years when he did play, he was just a backup. So to see that he's still a return, he's only thirty-two. So Dumb. I I could see it, maybe maybe because so much time has passed and he's gone, and Andrew Luck's been retired for quite a few years now. You you feel like time has passed more than it really has, and he's he's only thirty-two. He had the big injury during his rookie year, and obviously he wasn't he hasn't been the same since. But whenever you did see him on the Ravens, he wasn't that bad. No, he wasn't. I mean, I I always liked RG3
1: in the NFL. I always thought that he showed potential, you know, year in and year out. So I, I could see him making a return. Now, how effective will he be at the age of 32? That I don't know. But, you know, I, that's... That's the story to keep an eye on because you know you have got you have teams like Seattle, like Cleveland, who could be in a pinch for a quarterback, and RG three could maybe be the guy that they need.
2: You may you may need somebody like him in case Deshaun is gone for the whole year, and, right. if, and if not longer, because you don't want to have to rely on Jacoby Brissett. Right. We've we've seen what happens when you rely on Jacoby Brissett for too long. It, it gets yeah. stale very very quickly. He had
1: one good year, and then it went downhill really fast. The Game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. All you got to do is text GAME 337-288-8100. That's GAME 337-288. 8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win that Apple Watch, plus the opportunity to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and more. It's the brand new Game Text Club. Find out more at 1037theGame.com or 1041Thegame.com. When we return, we'll take a time out. We'll talk McNeese football and we'll get you set for the college football season from Lake Charles. We'll also touch on the weekend in NASCAR and get you set for to the moon with Brian LaLima of Apollo HOU and Sports Talk 790 here on the game, 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station at your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros Time to open up the vault
0: for the games this day in sports history
1: July 5th, 1975
0: Arthur Ashe becomes the first African-American to win Wimbledon as he beats countryman Jimmy Condor's 6-1, 6-1, 5-7, 6-4. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 103.7 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 107 Lafayette, 104-1 Lake Charles. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, I found out who the third player was to have a 98 or higher. It's Devin Booker.
2: Hmm. So LeBron, it's... LeBron... So MJ is 100. Correct. LeBron, Jaw, and Devin, Devin Booker 98s. 98 plus... Where, official
1: official rating hasn't come out but 98 or above.
2: Huh. So you that's that's interesting because I would consider somebody like Giannis, right, to Luka, be ahead. Giannis, Embiid, Jokic?
1: I mean, dude, Jokic is a two-time MVP back to back. Steph Steph KD like there there's a lot of guys that could have easily
2: that uh, I would put as, a that I would put ahead of Jaw and Devin. No, di- no discredit to them, but right.
1: That that was that's exactly what I was. No disrespect to either one of them, and and honestly, let's be real. No disrespect to LeBron either. I don't know if he should be up there anymore.
2: I would say the injury rating would have to go down because he's start. He's starting to wear down in turn because he used to be a machine. He used to be an Iron Man where I mean, he played quite a bit. And he was never injured. It was just kind of taking little breaks here and there. But now it's now it's legitimate injuries the last couple of years. Yep.
1: No, for sure. Absolutely. Let's recap UFC 276, which took place this past Saturday night in Las Vegas. Israel Adesanya takes down Jared Canninger in a decision. Adesanya improves to 23-1 and on the year and retains his championship in the middleweight division. Also in the featherweight division, another title fight. Alexander Volkanovski takes down Max Holloway in a decision. Volkanovski twenty-five and one in his UFC career. Max Holloway at a respectable twenty-three and seven. James, I don't know if you saw that nasty scar, that or that nasty
2: gash on, on Holloway's, Holloway's uh, hole on his uh, eyebrow. Yeah, yeah, it was that was it. Uh, unfortunately, that affected most of the fight.
1: Absolutely.
2: But at the same time, I know my friends had a couple of parlays, including Holloway winning. But whenever they told me that, I was I didn't know exactly what Volkanovski's record was. But the last few times that I've seen him, even though he's very short at 5'6", compared to a lot of other fighters, Volkanovski, even though he's 33 as well, it, it feels like he's still in his prime and just feels unstoppable.
1: No, unbeatable.
2: You, yeah, he's and the fact he's that he's dangerous. the champ. Yeah, twenty five and one, compared to Holloway. I know a lot of a lot consider Holloway's second fight with Volkanovski like he was robbed that he should have won. But I mean, th- this one just determined it all the way. I don't know how you could have bet against Volkanovski. That was the one where I would have guaranteed a win, other than Adesanya.
1: Agreed, agreed. Alex Pereira taking down Sean Strickland in the middleweight division. In a first round knockout, two thirty-six yeah, into the fight.
2: Oh yeah, that's true. Because I was thinking of what was the what was the other fight that that was I think forty seconds in. Um, because there was one I, I had got to my friend's house a little late, and right when I got there, they had just ended a fight because it was a knockout, I believe.
1: So what happened? What what that was is that was the. Robbie Lawler, Brian Banera fight. It was thirteen seconds into the second round.
2: No, no, no. I was I was there for the Lawler fight. It, it was a different fight. Mm,
1: that might have been in the prelim card. Yeah, it, it
2: was the it was definitely the prelims. But I, so, I remember I remember seeing that. Also the, yeah, Shaw, the Sean the O'Malley fight. Yeah, that sure, was sure. that was so upsetting because. If you watch the mo whenever you see Munoz in the replay, he never really hit his eye. No, he didn't. So he the didn't. fact that he was like, "I can't see," well, no, duh, because you're you you close your eyes, just right. just open them.
1: Uh, the fight you were talking about, Jalen Turner took down Brad Riddle forty five seconds into the fight. Yeah, made him made him tap out forty five seconds into the fight. Uh, had some good prelim fights, but man, that main card. Brian Barbonera taking down Robbie Lawler. Again, you talked about the disappointment of the no contest in the second round between Munoz and Sugar Sean O'Malley. Misha Tate's fight getting canceled. I know people are looking forward to to, to seeing her get back in the ring the first time in a while. But for for reasons that I, I haven't seen, I don't know why that fight was canceled off the main card But, man, 276 was was a pay-per-view that has been... People have been looking forward to that one for a while, and it lived up to expectations. I'm not going to lie, but UFC 277 is shaping up to be phenomenal, and it's because of a fight in the women's bantamweight division. Juliana Pena defends the title against the lioness herself, Amanda Nunez. Pena took the title from Nunez earlier this year, said she was going to beat Nunez, and she did exactly what she set out to do. But now, you know, you're going to have to really... This is going to be the toughest fight, right? Because you took it. You got the title. But now, a hungry and pissed off Amanda Amanda Nunez wants back what's hers, and you're going to have to fend her off. So that fight is going to be interesting. July 30th in Dallas, Texas for UFC 277. Quick update on the PGA Tour we talked about a little bit earlier. JT Poston winning the John Deere Classic with a 21 under performance. Poston, he's been interesting. You know, he had a good weekend at the Travelers last weekend and really competed throughout much of the tournament. And then. This weekend at the John Deere, really had the win from the jump. He was 9-under through the first day, 7-under, something like that, and, and never really looked back from that point. So very impressive performance by J.T. Poston, and he will look to parlay that into the Open Championship at St. Andrews. The win at the John Deere Classic guaranteed him a spot in the open championship once again the 150th running of the open championship at saint andrews looking back at nascar this weekend really fun races at road america a 4 mile a 4 mile 14 turn track it was a great race all the way through 62 laps for the cup series and it was a race that Chase Elliott was leading most of the day until about 17 laps to go. Tyler Reddick, who has really had a, a great year, was looking for his first win in the Cup Series, has finished second, I want to say four times this season, You know, really knocking on the door of finally getting a win, the closest time being the Bristol dirt track back in April when he was in turn four, like the last turn, and got got spun out. Um, And he capitalized on a mistake made by Chase Elliott in lap 44. Again, so 18 laps to go. Took advantage of the costly mistake from Chase Elliott. Took the lead and never gave it back. So Tyler Reddick at 26 years old winning his first Cup Series race Chase Elliott finishing second, and then Elliott's teammate at Hendrick Motorsports, Kyle Larson, finishing third. They head to Atlanta this weekend. I really like Chase Elliott in that one for two reasons. He's always done well at Speedways at Super Speedways. I know he's more of a road course guy, but has always done well at Super Speedways and Atlanta's his hometown. He's an Atlanta kid. So look for Chase Elliott. You know, not not offering you betting advice, but Chase Elliott is definitely a name to look out for this coming weekend as they head to Atlanta. The Houston Astros, one of the hottest teams in baseball, and we want to help you see them live in person. The game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle Saturday, July 30th, and we want to help you get there. Register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning. Late Meridian, Houston downtown in the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's take a time out right here, James. And when we return, we're going to the moon. The Astros red-hot winners of their last seven. Can they keep it going? Brian LaLima of Apollo HOU and the Sean Salisbury Show on Sports Talk 790 in Houston will join us to talk about the Astros and much more right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston. Nashville. Fly me to the
0: moon. That's Trevendee. and Mesh are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is to the moon on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh.
1: Brian LaLima of Apollo HOU and now of the Sean Salisbury show on Sports Talk 790 in Houston. Brian, what's going on, man? How are you?
5: Not much, guys. Another good, uh, beautiful Tuesday here in Houston, Texas, ready to Watch the Astros take on former Astros Zach Grinkey tonight at the Juice Box. Um, how's how's everything going with you guys?
1: Going well, man. But I gotta ask you: Today was day one on morning shows for radio. How was it?
5: Yes, sir. Today was my first day with the Sean Salisbury show on Sports Talk 790 or the iHeart Radio app. Um, Four thirty is an early wake up call for me, but um, you know when you get to wake up and and go to a radio station and get to cover. Uh, you know, the Houston Astros and the Houston Rockets um, as a full-time job. It's not too bad. Uh, today went really well. Um, I had to catch a mid-afternoon nap. Um, just got a workout in, so I'm feeling good, man. It's been a good day.
1: So let's talk about the Astros, winners of their last seven, including three of those wins coming against some of the top teams in baseball and the Mets and the Yankees. And then, you know, they really showed the, the Angels, whose bus now you're facing an angel a royals team really down on them you know 29 and 49 on the year trying to make a positive out, out of this season that's not off to a great start you know where the astros mentally right now
5: i mean as far as mentally i think they're probably the most confident and complete team in all of major league baseball um, you know th- these teams that 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 come to Houston, or even the you know the teams that they go on the road against the the ones that are below five hundred in the past, the Astros kind of struggle with with subpar teams. And so for the Astros to come out yesterday, you know, playing on July fourth, uh, Jake Odorizzi got his first start for the first time in forty two games. So he's been you know out of the rotation for over fifty days. You know to come back, they were down five to nothing at one point, then they were down six three going into the eighth inning. Uh, Kyle Tucker and Yuli Gurriel both had big RBI singles to, to tie and Then of course, Jordan, uh with the big time walk off for the second walk off in a row. Uh, to answer your question, I just think they're the most confident and they've done that type team right now, and, and they're just taking care of business like they should against teams like the Angels, against teams like the Royals. Uh, these are, you know, these are big time games because you know you need the you need to try to get the best record in in all of baseball or or at least the American League so you can have home field advantage when playoff time comes because we already know that the American League runs through Houston. So these are games that you have to win.
1: Chat with Brian Lima here on To The Moon. So a couple of updates from the Astros. Jeremy Pena looks back to be back and healthy. Jordan Alvarez, same thing after that scary collision in New York last week. Another guy on the cusp and back, Lance McCullers, Jr., Said today after throwing a live BP that he, he feels healthy, he feels ready to go. You know, what kind of timeline are we looking at for McCullers?
5: Yeah, I think for McCullers, he threw 31 pitches today at Minute Park in a live bullpen session like you just mentioned. Uh, he was in full uniform, so, I mean, it's, it's, he's taking everything as serious and game-like as, as possible. Another thing he did mention was that they want to do some up-downs, meaning he's going to throw a, a, an inning, then he'll go sit down for an inning, and then he'll come back up at, at, in an inning and throw another live BP session. He threw 31 pitches, six sliders, six curveballs. He mixed in a cutter. Um, the fastball velocity was between 91 and 93. Uh, the, the slider and curveball velocity was both between 81 and 84, and then he said he, he did throw a lot of change-ups. So I, I would say timeline, I think we're at best a month. Um, there is no rush for him. Because, I mean, you look at the way that the pitching staff has has been performing, um, there really is no rush for him to come back. But I would say at the bare minimum, you know, you got to think he's got another live VP session probably in six or seven days. Um, Then he's going to go out on a rehab start or rehab stint. So you would think that he's going to get at least two starts there, depending on how he does and how he feels. So I would say at the bare minimum a month.
1: Now, Talking about some other big names to to make an impact lately for the Astros, Corey Lee making his appearance yesterday. You know he's been talked about as one of the top prospects in the Astros pharmacist. Do you see him hanging around? You know what's what's the thing with Corey Lee? Do you see Jason Castro hanging around? Talk about the catchers for a bit.
5: Yeah, so you know Corey Lee is the is the future of the Houston Astros when it comes to the catching position. He's up, made his major league debut. Um, you know, he's handling a pitching staff and, and learning from Martin Maldonado, which is arguably the best defensive catcher in all of baseball. One of the, uh, He's the anchor of this team. And, and people, people like to um, not come down on Martin Maldonado, but they like to complain about his lack of offensive production. But he's not there to hit 300. I mean, in today's day and age, I mean, how many catchers are hitting above 250? But, you know, yeah, if you if you get 220, you know, 230 from him with, you know, 20 bombs, like, okay, that'd be a plus. But the way that Martin Maldonado handles this pitching staff, he is essentially another manager back there. And he commands everyone from top to bottom, from the starters to the bullpen guys to the closers, uh, guys like Ryan Stanek and, and Ryan Presley. So with Corey Lee, I think he's going to have a stint. Until Jason Castro comes back and there's that that's not anything to take away from Jason Castro because what we've seen from him this season is he's caught a majority of Justin Verlander starts. and we've talked about Justin Verlanders here. Justin Berlander starts here on uh, to the moon multiple times because he continues to dominate. And Jason Castro's been his battering mate. So having Jason Castro and both having both him and Martin Maldonado as veteran presence has been a really, really beautiful thing, and they're both the unsung heroes of this team so far. I think they brought up Corey Lee, hey, get your feet wet a little bit, learn some things from Martín Maldonado when Jason Castro gets back up and off of the IL, we'll probably send him back down, but just get a little bit of experience now um, as he's the future. I mean, he's the number two prospect for the Astros for a reason, so he will eventually be the starting catcher for the Astros. I just don't know when.
1: Brian LaLima joining us here on the moon. Let's talk about the pitching staff. You know, talked about Justin Verlander, first pitcher in the big leagues to reach 10 wins. At ten and three on the year, a two point zero three ERA. Framber Valdez has done, you know, exactly what you expect him to do. In hundred and one innings, he's got a two point six seven ERA. But a guy that has really come along as of late, Christian Javier, now yeah. leads the team. <laughs> now Christian leads the
5: team. Javier, Christian Javier is, um, I mean, dominant right now.
1: Yeah, you know he he now leads the team in strikeouts in sixty nine and two thirds innings, a two point five eight ERA. He's only given up twenty earned runs all season long. I mean, he was the the anchor of that combined no hitter in New York. Followed that performance up with with thirteen strikeouts at home. I mean, what what more can you say?
5: Yeah, with I mean with Christian Javier, you know. Coming into the season, a lot of a lot of people thought he was just going to be the bridge guy. They thought he was going to be the long inning relief, um, and then he got a couple of starts, and then he's just taken off. And right now, as we sit here on Tuesday, July fifth, I would say Christian Javier is the Astros number two, and then I would put Framber Valdez at number three because Christian Javier has just been a little bit more consistent. I mean, the thing with Framber Valdez that we've always known is the pitch command. You know, sometimes he throws a lot of pitches in only three or four innings and walks a few guys. And then you look at Christian Javier, and he solidified his his uh, spot in the starting rotation. And if it was me, and we're going to the playoffs right now, Christian Javier is getting the second start. It's it's not Framber Valdez, and that's nothing against Framber, but Christian Javier has just done so well with this with his start. I mean, fourteen strikeouts the other night, effortless fourteen strikeouts the other night. And the way that yep. he commands the upper part of the zone, he changes high levels of hitters. I mean, you can't say enough about Christian Javier.
1: Now, looking at the all-star voting, that's coming to, a, to a, a halt on Friday. You know, you're looking at Jose Altuve getting in. You're looking at Jordan Alvarez getting in. You're looking at Justin Verlander getting in. What are some other names you're looking out for in the all-star race that could sneak in for the Astros?
5: You know, one one guy that I really, really want to see make the All Star team and I don't know if we're gonna be able to see him uh, be an all star is Ryan Stanick. I mean the dude has a sub one ERA. He's got a whip of, of over one and he just you have so much confidence in him and I think if you if he was the everyday closer for the Astros, I think he would get some love as far as all star voting, but since he's just a quote unquote setup guy um, he's not going to get the love that he deserves when it comes to the all-star vote. Just you look at the numbers that he has and you look at the outings that he has so far for the Astros, you have so much confidence in him. You know when it gets to him in the eighth and then you get to Ryan Preston in the ninth, it's almost it's shut shutdown. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, you're like, okay, great. Now we have to face, if I'm an opposing hitter now, I'm thinking, oh, great, now i got to face Ryan Stanek. Like this dude is, is chunking 97-98 with a disgusting slider and an even better changeup. And then, then we got to go face Brian Presley. I mean, he's done so much for, for himself and for this team that he should be an all-star, in my opinion. I just don't think he's going to get there just because of he's a setup guy, not a closer.
1: Now uh, another guy, a couple of other guys on the fence, Martín Maldonado, fourth in terms of catchers. Yuli Gurriel sitting at fifth in terms of first baseman. Jeremy Pena is sitting at fourth for shortstops. Does he get in?
5: I don't think so. I think one thing that that hurt Jeremy Peña is the time that he spent on the IL. With the, I know it was a brief stint, but I don't think he he makes the All Star All Star team, which is fine. He'll be there eventually. I mean, he's gonna be he's gonna be either one or two in Rookie of the Year, but if he continues to play as well as he does, but I just think the time off kind of hurt him a little bit.
2: Yeah,
1: no no question about it. Brian Lalima joining us here on To the Moon Tuesdays. All right, so tonight's game seven ten from Minute Maid Park. Astros are taking on a a good friend of theirs, if you will, in in Zach Greinke. You know, walk walk me through tonight's game. What are we expecting out of Luis Garcia on the mound for the Astros and Zach Greinke for the Royals?
5: I think first of all, I I don't even think Zach Greinke gets out of the fourth inning. I mean, you know what we've seen from an older Zach Greinke is he's very crafty. He doesn't have the power stuff. He's still, I mean, he's still a a, just a, a a really Good pitcher, but he just doesn't have what he used to because he's been in the league. I feel like for 20 years now. And one thing that we saw when he was with the Astros last season, he struggled getting out of the fourth or fifth inning. Pitch count was up. Guys, second time through the lineup started to tag him a little bit. So I think the offense is going to stay hot, and and they're gonna they're gonna run him out of the game in in the fourth inning. And with Luis Garcia, if he can command his off speed, locate his fastball, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes six or even seven. So you know, I I just think that the Astros come out, they take care of business. I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Alvarez went like three for four with another bomb. Um, And and I'm still looking. Bregman continues to walk a bunch. He he got walked again twice last night. Uh, Yuli Gurriel was able to swing it a little bit, so I'm really looking for those two guys to continue uh, their upward, you know, climb, getting back to what they, what we're used to when it comes to Alex Bregman. And Yuli Gurriel, but the Astros are going to take care of business tonight.
1: I'll I'll close to the moon with this interesting statistic: Jose Altuve is hitting three eighty five against Zach Greinke in his career.
5: Yeah, yeah. There's um, I've got a he's got seven. It's like 27 plate appearances. Um, he's got a on base percentage of over 400 and a slugging of over 600, but he only has one home run against Zach Greinke. Only one. Yeah. So we'll, uh, it would be nice to see him uh, pull one out against Granky tonight.
1: Absolutely. Brian Lolima of Apollo HOU and Sports Talk 790 in Houston joining us to do To the Moon Tuesdays. Brian, appreciate you taking the time as always. Congrats on the new gig. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend.
5: Right, thank you, guys. I enjoy it every Tuesday. Thank you
1: all. Tune in next week for another edition
0: of To the Moon here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Mesh.
1: The Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com, 1041.com, can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our Rewards Club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes is by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. It's very simple to do, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free to join, so go sign up today. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, got about two minutes before we get out. James, Stephen Curry, a 99 in 2K23. Worthy?
2: I think so. And it's also funny because that's the first time someone's been a 99 overall since LeBron in 2K14.
1: Yeah, that, it's it's crazy to think that there hasn't been a 99 in, in you know, eight years for for the history of the franchise. That's pretty impressive uh, Summer league update: Nikola Jovic, 25 points, nine boards, was five of seven from three for the Heat today. What a performance from the rookie! In, I mean it's not real NBA action because it's you know it's younger guys and it's a lot of rookies that got drafted along with you, but still technically an NBA game. 25 points and five threes, pretty impressive. For, for the new rookie for the Miami Heat. So definitely a, a name to look out for as, as the season gets a little bit closer. Once again tonight, Houston Astros taking on the Kansas City Royals with a 7-10 first pitch. It'll be former Astros' Zach Grinky on the mound for the Royals, and Luis Garcia, 6-5 and five on the year with a 3.54 ERA, will be on the mound for the Houston Astros batting lineup, Jose Altuve will bat first, Pena second, Alvarez third, Bregman fourth, Tucker fifth, Gurriel sixth, Diaz seventh, Jake Myers eighth, and Martin Maldonado will bat ninth. I want to take the opportunity to thank Brian LaLima for joining us today, giving his insights on all things Houston Astros. Appreciate the callers calling in as well, giving their input on today's show. Tomorrow... Who that Wednesday, Brendan Ertle gonna join us along with Chris Murphy from the PGA Tour. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Migaz saying be safe, be well, give a big old hug to your mom and them, and we will see you tomorrow on Crunch Time with Migaz and Mesh. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station at your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.